Welcome to a special edition of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Amplifying Black Voices, a series of interviews that help bridge the gap between what you think you know and what you need to hear about the true meaning of racial justice, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Real conversations about real experiences that lead to real change. Join the conversation now with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, we are just uh, so happy to be able to share our platform to really, as our title says, amplify Black voices. And we're so excited today and excited about the lineup of the people we have coming. And Mark, I agree with you. This is the conversation to be having. And until it's done, we're not done. So I'm grateful that we get to do this. It actually is going to tick me up. I don't know why. It's so important, you know. Excuse me, I choked there. I didn't expect that. No, because, I mean, it it can be emotional. But, well, I guess we've also been inspired, Kirsten. uh, We had a guest, uh, I don't know, a month or so back who said, look, if you really want to understand this, first of all, put your empathy on. But you got to go beyond the headlines, beyond the cable news, get on the other side of the barricade, you know, talk with everyone and really hear the story. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. yeah. So we're really happy to have our guest, Trina Tyler. Trina and I go way back. I was telling her just as we hit the record button here that this conversation is 10 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have spent many an hour at coffee shops, uh, going up and down the Chicago lakefront path, traveling to foreign countries. I, I, I know it's one, uh, maybe more. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. Trina, we're just so happy to have you with us. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I am very excited, and I was very excited about the the topic um, today. My conversation um, about this topic is usually with people of my own color. Um, It's because it's uncomfortable. (laughs) It's uncomfortable for other people, um, and, you know, it's uncomfortable for white people to to have this conversation, you know, because you don't want to necessarily come off as um, the quote-unquote angry black woman, but there's a lot of things to be angry about. But I think that we have come into a situation over the last four years that the things that are happening in this world have always been happening, but there has been a license in my opinion, over the last four years that has brought hate and disparity and bigotry and separatism all to the front line and saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay to dislike people. It's okay to hate people for the color that they are. And so then I think those people that were out there was like, hey, well, okay, it's okay. So I'm going to take full advantage of the okay because he says it's okay, so it must be okay. People with any common sense know it's not okay. It's just not okay, the things that have been happening. On the flip side, I think that the political atmosphere that we have been in in the last four years um, has been a travesty, but I think it's been necessary. Because before this, people, you know, people were like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand about the white privilege. I don't understand about the disparity. I don't understand what what black people are complaining about. You know, it's not like they don't have jobs or, you know, you know, what's the problem? Okay. Right. And but the right. problem is is that the problem existed so many years before. And there's so many 
places where it just never got better. I think the police brutality, the hate, and all of those things brought us out to the forefront, not just Black people, but it brought, it, it started to bring everybody together. And that's the part that I say the last four years was a travesty, but maybe it was something that we needed. You know what? We were all put on this, this earth to live together, to work together, to love together. And we haven't been doing that. There has been disparity in jobs and pay and housing and health care and social services. So there has been disparity in so many areas for so long. I think now people are realizing, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it is. Maybe as a human being with another human being, we need to do something about this. You know, I'm curious, Trina, you know, and, and we started off this, even the premise of this conversation says that I'm white. Mm-hmm. I think I'm enlightened. I think I'm progressive. I think I'm liberal. I don't fly a Confederate flag. It's not me. I'm not the problem. And so even in that mindset, I know I'm wrong. And I know I'm blocking out what I need to hear. So pick up where you left off on that. We need to get real. You know, here, there's just stuff that you don't get. Here's the thing, Mark. You're on the top of the food chain. You, you are the highest that they get. You are a white man. You get no higher than that. And underneath the white man is the white woman. And then you start doing all the races, and then you get down to the black people. And then go down further, Trina, a black woman. Oh, yeah. You know what? I started a new job about a year and a half ago. And I said to myself, they offered me a salary, and it was good. But based on my experience, I thought I should come in with more. Now, I didn't have half of the experience that they required, but they sought me out because I have a lot of union-based experience, and I work for a union bank. So the first thing that I thought to myself, I said, if I'm going to talk to anybody about asking for more money and how to do it, I picked my best white male friend. So I called Mark because Mark has had more experience. He's had his own companies. He's consulted all over the world. And I was like, what better person? And that's shameful because I didn't have, I didn't have a black friend in that, in that space. So I went to Mark. Mark gave me good advice. Well, at first, because him and um, Jenny were in the car, he goes, well, Trina, I don't want to be that friend who gives you the wrong advice. I said, but you are that friend. Mm. <laughs> you are that friend. And, and, the, and the thing is, and I think the thing that is different amongst a, a lot of Black people is that Mark and Jenny are my friends. They are not my white friends. Mm. Most Black people you're just their friend. Most white people, I'm somebody's black friend. And it's easier for black people to think in those terms because, quote unquote, we live in a white world where there are some black people who never get out of the black community. I had a very progressive father and me and my family were always the only black family. My dad was in business for himself. He worked in industries where he was the only black person. So every event we went to, we were the only black 
children. And there were times when, and you know, my, my parents stood, they stood with their feet planted in the ground because there were times we went to picnics and we would get in the pool and the white people get out of the pool. And then we would want to get out the pool. And my mother would say, don't get out of the pool. Mm-hmm. Because the way that they saw it is that you can't expect people to know that you are the same if you choose not to be the same. So our lives are brought up knowing everything about you. But your lives are not brought up knowing everything about us. And I think that this era definitely has given white people an opportunity to go, well, let me, let me, let me sit back and go, okay, well, how many black people do we have in our company that are executive level? Or do all the black people work in the mailroom? You know, you, you start looking around now. Hate has definitely brought awareness to people who think that they don't have any hate in their heart or have any difference in their hearts. And it's starting to allow white people to go, you know, I never thought about it this way. Okay. You know, black people never live in places, you know, we, you know, we just start migrating to suburbs like, you know, what, 40 years ago. And I still have a problem with it because I don't feel comfortable living any place where you can just step right into somebody's house. I could never live in a place where you had, what are those big doors? French doors, mm-hmm. unless I was on the 10th floor because I don't like the dark. Most black people don't. I don't like being in the wilderness. We were there before. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, you, you kind of look at all those things. And I think that, you know, you, you look at job and you look at healthcare, and healthcare is really huge to me because I spent 20 something years in the benefit business. And, you know, we were always made to believe that education was equal everywhere because all the money is supposed to come from taxes. Well, if everybody pays taxes, then all the schools should be the same. But what I start to find out as I became an adult is that if you live in a community where is economically low and the taxes are not high, then your school gets less. So how is that? How is that equal? How can people from a lower economic uh, level, which in turns, I will say the publicity is more so that there are more black people that live in poverty than white people. But that's almost impossible because there's more white people than black people. And this is to say that all white people have money and all white people do not have money. So you, you, you have to look at who owns the news stations and, you know, who hires the reporters and who tells them what to do. So, you know, this is not just, just new. This is not just new. This has been going on so long that it is it's almost ingrained in people's heads that the majority of Black people are poor and living in the ghetto. The majority of Black people are on welfare. The majority of Black people don't want to work. And that's what they see. So when they talk about welfare, which really pisses me off, when they talk about welfare, they are always talking about a minority group. But this is what we have been out here to believe. And it it doesn't make a difference because this has been documented so many times, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. Because if we have politicians in force that they are putting ideas out here into the public and to the public that wants to hear them, then this is how they go. 
this is the way to go. And this is the, the way that people stay minorities instead of just being part of this world. This word systemic and it's ingrained. I would love to hear your perspective on that because now all of a sudden we've moved from somebody who's a bigot in their heart or they discriminate that is an individual. But mm-hmm. now we're talking about entire institutions, laws, government programs, initiatives, mm-hmm. taxes. I mean, that it's in the system. It's in the system. Where do you start based on your experience? I mean, you've been in finance, you've been in employee benefits, banking. Are there places that we can start undoing this? Here. Mm. Here. You know what? The, the thing is, is that we start unraveling when white people say, you know, this, this is some BS. Enough is enough. And that's how you make the change. You know what? You can't make the change when you just got a few people trying to, the people that the change is, is for. Mm-hmm. Once you label somebody a minority, then you're not getting the majority of their voices. You're not. You're not trying to hear the majority of their, their angst and their complaints and their, their questioning about communities and taxes and government. But once the majority starts saying some things, and then, and I know that some black people go, well, you know, okay, well, so now, so now the white people have gotten involved. Now they want to listen. You know what? My thing is, it's all about listening. If they weren't listening before, I am thankful that there somebody's listening now. You know what? We had when Obama was in office, eight years. I will say that he was one of the most eloquent presidents, well-spoken for the people that I have met. Nobody has to agree with me. And I even got on my thing, even with black people, don't vote for people just because they're black, vote for people because they're good. He has tried to do the best that he could do. But so many people couldn't hear his message because he was black. Not because he tried, but they were just like, I'm I'm not trying to listen to him because he's black. And that and that is the kind of behavior we have got to stop. You know, we have to stop this. But you are absolutely right about the youth, the white youth right now. They are waking up and going, you know what? This is not right. And you are absolutely right. I have my girlfriends and their children. And, and you're right. They are taking this to their parents and going to their parents. This is not right. And I'm going on this march with or without you. And these parents are, they're listening. And they're listening. And so you know what? A change can come over them. Because you're right, Mark. These are, you know, these are not people who hated minorities or were straight up Archie Bunker bigots, you know. I think, you know, we say we're going to be real about this. Mm-hmm. I think white people have no idea how great their lives are. They have no idea how great their lives are. And this is not to say that there are no hardships and things like this, but to know that you will never be judged by the color of your skin, to know that you will never be turned down for a job because of the color of your skin, to know that somebody doesn't want to wait on you because of the color of your skin, or somebody doesn't want you in their neighborhood because of the color of your skin, or somebody, now this is what chokes me up. Somebody doesn't want your children in their schools because of the color of their skin. 
or they don't let you into college because of the color of your skin. This is what I have to tell my children. But I have to tell them that it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It matters if you're a good person. It matters if you strive. It matters if you're kind. It matters if you're a good servant of God. But to know that they are going to have to face the same stuff, that they are going to have to know that they have to work 10 times as hard and maybe be smarter than the person that they hire because of the color of their skin. And that part is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And those are things you will never know. You will never have to experience. A friend of mine once before asked me, if I was uncomfortable around white people. And I told him no. And cause I was, we were at a big affair and I was the only black person there. And I said, no, I'm not uncomfortable. I said, would you be uncomfortable if this was all black people? And he told me yes. And that's because the world has ingrained, uh, this is how black people are, you know? When I run into people and they tell me, as when I was growing up, you don't sound black, Trina. You know, as if an uneducated voice is a black voice and an educated voice is a white voice because that's what people have told me. You sound like a white girl. And I was like, in my head, I just sound like an educated person. No one will ever tell you, you sound like a white person. Or if your language is not correct, they won't tell you, you don't sound like you're white. But these are the things that are every day and still in this world, every single day. You know, I correct my 12 year old all the time on her English and she gets very upset with me. And I said, why? And she says, because you always do this. I said, well, I wanna make sure that you speak correctly. I said, because you are going to have so many obstacles in your way, I don't want this to be one of them. I just want her to speak proper English and not use slang and all this other kind of stuff that people use, that all of the youth use. But when it comes to bad language or poor diction, it's always associated with Black people. I, I just want us, I just want this world to get out of the negativity of anything that's bad, anything that's poor, anything that's uneducated, anything that is taxing on the government dollar is because of black people. When we go to school, and I think one of the reasons why we're so comfortable with white people is because that's all we learn in school. You know, you learn about the top black people, but we learn everything about white people from before Christ up. I consider myself a black woman, and I know that the PC is African-American. And I stopped after Negro. After Negro in the 60s came black, I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm stopping there because it's the assumption that all black people come from Africa. And, you know, Christ, the, the real Bible says that, you know, Christ was of darker skin and woolly hair. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so, you know, I don't know where I came from. I could come from India where they're dark skin. I can come from Central America where they're dark skin and, you know, all over the place. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like you got to group somebody here. Mm -hmm. We, we got we to group you. So we're going to give you African-American because we assume that all of you are from Africa. That's why I just stop it black. <laughs> well, let, let's pick up there. Because okay. here, here's something else uh, we need to be educated on. Mm -hmm. And again, it's so easy to say, oh, I, I know. But it's like, what 
is the difference to you between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter? Ooh. We, we have to hear it, Trina. Oh. You got to give it to me straight. I am. You know what? On Facebook, every time somebody says All Lives Matter, and I go, of course, all lives matter. But black lives are in a crisis right now. And we need to straighten this out. You know, all lives are not in a crisis. Nobody said all lives don't matter. Of course, all lives matter. But you never have to tell your 18-year-old white son, when the police stop you, put your hands up, sit back. Make sure that you you speak clearly. Make sure that you give them eye contact. Make sure that you don't have any anger in your voice. Make sure you do. But this is what we have to tell our black children. That is one thing. Who wants to tell their children this? When you say all lives matter, it does. Only if all lives did matter. Words are everything. They create worlds. They They do. You're not a minority. Whites are not the majority. You're an equal. Mm -hmm. I I don't know why that struck me so powerfully. It won't be gone in our lifetime, but you, you are absolutely correct. If you have placed a group of people as less than, and the world looks at them as less than, that this one word has grouped a race of people and already before you're born, you are less than. You know, one other question I have for you, because, you know, as um, an intuitive and a shamanic healer and working with alchemical healing, we have imprints in our physicality, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to go out on the limb here and do my little woo-woo thing, but all of your That's answers okay. stepped forward and applauded you, just so you know, which is what brought me to tears, because they all came in. They're all with you. Awesome. Right now. So there is a physical, we, we can, our cells and our DNA, they carry trauma. So mm-hmm. when I experience your body, I experience the trauma of you, your ancestors, your family, your environment, and your whole body is in fight or flight response. And sorry, I don't mean to be reading you, but that's the- No, theory. no, no. That's, so, that's okay. Right? Mark tells you I'm all over this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but- um, And this is huge because I think as a white person too, we don't realize the impact on the physicality and the spirit and the soul of the black people. We just don't. Like it's much bigger than just saying, what can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. Like you, your physical essence minute to minute is carrying soul scars, some scars of everything that's happening even today. It's like complete fight or flight response. And how do you deal with that? Because I don't know if I would have what it takes. I have to. I have to. Somebody asked me once before, and this is one thing that you should know. Black people deal with direct or indirect prejudice every single day of their lives. Every single day. So you have to pick your battles. If I let everything, every injustice, every stare, every look, every comment bother me, I would be destroyed. It would destroy my soul. But I have an opportunity to turn it around. It, It makes me stronger. It makes me stronger because this is something I have to bear every day. 
you will never know my strength, but the more you know about me, you will. The more you know about me, you will. And then that's the important thing. You know what? What has been going on, What's been going on has been going on for a while, but it has come to the forefront. And this is the first time my soul has been hurt. My soul has been hurt because I have, I felt like we have just gone back so many steps. But then I also have to go, everything is for a purpose. Because if this is the thing, if we can take a generation of people, a young generation of people and go, this is enough. This is some, this is craziness. Because that's what we have to do. People can teach their children hate, and they take it into their life. They take it into their adulthood. They take it into their businesses. They take it into the schools. But if you start having a generation of people, if you start going, this is enough, take the word minority out, stop making people less than they are before they're even born in this world with that on their back, then things will change. They're supposed to. So every, for every bad circumstance, there has to be a good one. My girls ask me, especially my six-year-old, she says, Titi, do you hate white people? I said, absolutely not. I said, we're not supposed to hate anybody. But it's one thing that people say, you know, they're like, we're all the same. We're not all the same. And it's okay. We're not supposed to be. Black people or, you know, and now we have brown people or, you know, Latin people, we're not supposed to be the same because if we were all the same, we would have nothing to bring to each other. We are supposed to bring and merge different ideas and different cultures and different ways of living. That's what makes a community. That's what makes us all stand strong as one. But once you start going, I don't like them because they're different, then you limit yourself on something that's greater than, than you can even imagine. Because it's important for us to know the differences in people because until we know the differences, we can't respect them. And right now, Black Lives Matter because the Black people are really not getting the respect um, that they need in so many different facets. It's so much more than 10 years ago. And now, you know, with this conversation, this is so systemically ingrained in people's heads that it just keeps on going generation after generation after generation but until we all stand up as one and go you know what and stop being a minority and a majority and go you know what we're we just need to see we need to see and it's okay for us to be different i love everybody all my friends from different walks of life because they bring something to the table that i don't have and that i want to know and, and I think that's okay. It's okay that we're not going to all be the same. We're not supposed to be. But one thing that we are supposed to have the same, we're supposed to have the same respect and the same dignity of being able to live in this world. And what you're speaking to, which I love, is that bringing in the new essence of the new world. Absolutely. The unity, the togetherness, the community. At a soul level, the harmony is the same. The vibration is the same, which is why we're able to break bread together. But you're right. It's our own unique signature that creates this beautiful fabric. But we have to repair it one person at a time. Right. We have to repair it. And right now it's about Black Lives Matter. Yes, it's, it is. it's about. And it, it just is. You can't, you can't shake it off because if you can't see what's going on, then you're blind or you don't want to. So we, we have to group together 
to make this change. We, we have to group together to make it different because if not, we're, we're going to perish. We're going to perish in a sea of hate. It's just been a terrific conversation. And I Thanks, guess we Mark. keep using the word conversation because... And because if, it is a conversation. If it is not. You know, we've heard it from the pulpit. We've heard mm-hmm. it from the bully pulpit. You know, we've heard it from politicians. But you're right. It's the one-on-one. And I, and I love what you said. It's like, it did not start with us, Mm-mm. but it could change right now. It sure could. You know, and I'd really like to implore the listeners to join the conversation. If you've got comments, questions, further thoughts, put them in the comments and where you're listening. Send us another guest suggestion, whatever the case might be. But I, I really think that going forward, we know more now, mm-hmm. but I think if we have a different feeling, we definitely have a different attitude we can add to the knowledge overall. That's and that's what a that's what a good conversation yeah, is. Exactly. It's continuing. All right. Yeah. And Maya Angelo to close with when you know better, you do better. Absolutely. You know better, you do better. Yeah. You do better. Well, if we were at the real coffee shop at the Flying M in Boise or the Uncommon Ground on Southport, uh, there would be a big, big hug right now, Trina. We just we'll give you a big virtual hug. Give you a big virtual hug until uh, we see each other in person very soon. I have enjoyed this, and I have enjoyed you. I hope I brought something to the table. Oh God! And I have enjoyed. Um, your questions and your spiritual input. I have enjoyed everything. And Kirsten, you were you were right on point about how it trauma just keeps on going. We just have to we have to do better. And I, and it's, it, it, it it starts here. You've been listening to a special edition of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, amplifying Black voices. IntelliKey Leadership Stories is copyright 2020. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. I'm Jason Lanier White. On behalf of your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.